What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys so much, as always. First things first, follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery, at I Am Database. Uh, YouTube.com slash That's Kinda Neat, where you are going to see our guest today, P.O.S., perform a song on your iPhone. Go to the App Store, download the podcast app. If it's not already on your phone, in that app, go to search, type in Kinda Neat, and then subscribe. And you can listen. And every time we update, it'll just pop right up on your phone. And you can listen to it on your drive, or you can listen to it at the gym. You can listen to it wherever you listen to things in long form. You can hear my soothing voice dissect people's lives. What has been up? You know, I don't know what the fuck to talk about in these intros currently because I feel like I haven't done one in so long. I think the last time I really did an intro was like, oh, man, it feels like maybe back in January or something. So, so much has been going on, but at the same time, it feels like nothing has been really going on. I haven't been like jotting down any funny stories to tell you guys. I don't know. Really, my life right now is just kind of like... I've been doing a lot of retouching, so I'm kind of hermetic right now. As you guys know, I I travel a lot with Dom doing photography. Dom Cool, you guys can go listen to his episode. We have had some downtime where we've been able to kind of go over everything we've been shooting in the last three years, and we're going to launch a website. So that's going to be that's going to be launching soon, where we're going to have all the work we've been doing over the last three years. And it's crazy. It's great. I've been sitting there just finalizing images, and it's awesome to see the span of all the work that we've been doing in the last three years. And and it's going to be nice to be able to drop that and let people see what we've been. Working on because to date we've just been kind of going off of word of mouth and uh you know people just they're like oh these guys are a fun crew you should work with them and that's what's been happening and so it'll be cool to now be able to have some kind of like proof that we actually do good work too and beyond that i've been trying to like get back in shape i was slacking for a while as i go to the gym a lot and that's pretty much all my days are they're very boring I'm still going through car drama because my bumper got hit back in January as well, like all the way in January 12th, I think I, I got hit. And I'm still going through a bunch of like boring fucking insurance shit. So like pretty much life is just like adult stuff. I don't know. I've been getting hit up by you guys asking me to like play shows. Maybe I should throw a show. I don't know. Hit me up. Tweet me. Let me know if I should throw a show. I'm at this point where I, like, I haven't really been making that much music and I haven't put out any new songs since the record came out. So I'm like, what's the point of playing a show? But then I realized like you guys tell me like sometimes you just like to go to shows to sing along to songs you already know. So if you want to see me play a show, hit me up on the tweets. If I get enough, maybe I'll put one together. Beyond that, life is... Oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to come out and say it. I have a girlfriend now. I have a girl who I've seen on and off for like about four years and I'm a fucking weirdo and we've never really been official, but now uh, we've been dating for a few months and, and like I have a girlfriend and I put it on my Facebook page that I'm in a relationship and that's crazy and that's new. I haven't really done that since probably 2009. So yeah, other than that, I don't know, man. Today's guest was POS. I had a little fucking drama trying to get him here because it's hard to get people on the when they're on the road. You got to like time it out just right and both of us we're so tired this morning and, and we managed to work it out, had a good conversation with him. Very down to earth dude, great musician, wide variety of music he can make. He's a multi-instrumentalist and a rapper and he's led quite the life and he, he started training himself to live the life that he leads right now. When he was like 14, he started touring and stuff and now he's a road warrior in a group called Doom Tree, and they're on tour. You can see them. Uh, I think they're probably heading east now because they're, they're done with the California leg and then moving on to, I think, New Mexico and then down to Texas and yada yada. So they're probably heading eastbound. So who knows? Google Doomtree if you guys want to see them on tour and you will be able to find their dates. Without further ado, we're going to get into the conversation.
conversation with my dude POS on Kinda Neat. What's up? You're on tour. I'm on tour with my crew, Doomtree. We are performing songs from our new record, All Hands. Yeah. Our oldest record, self-titled Doomtree, and our middle record, No Kings. How many records have you guys put out as a crew? Three official crew records and one mixtape that came out between the first and second uh-huh. uh, called False Hopes, part of a series of things called False Hopes. How do you guys, when you're on tour, decide as a crew, like, okay, w- w- which songs do we want to perform now that, we have, now that we've been together for 10 years or something? How do we know what songs we want to play? Oh, I mean, it's a combination. Everybody wants some shine time, so everybody gets, picks a solo song or two yeah. that they want in the set for sure. Everybody picks their favorite of the crew songs from the old stuff, and then we pick the ones we think are going to be most effective from the new ones. But for the first half of the tour we just played, all the new ones we were ready to play and kind of as we got crowd reaction from them, decided which ones were going on the set for which nights, and we kind of changed it up. So, like, the first shows, you're feeling it out, and then by the end of the tour, it's all kind of dialed in? Yeah, after about a week. Yeah. Oh, after a week. Yeah, after so if about you, a week. So if you catch them on the first week, sorry, guys. No, no, no. It's still a good show. It's just maybe a little sloppy. Right, right. You know, just because like, you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. We, we like to build what, like, you know, we wanted to start off super exciting and end really super exciting and have points and peaks in the middle, but we don't want it to all be scream and jump for an hour and a half like it's it's gotta have its moments some roller coaster you know? moments you gotta yeah. have the ups to have the downs and stuff yeah and if you know anything about our crew if you're going to see a show that's just me mike and sims it might just be a live show the entire time flipping out if you go see a show that's just cecil otter he's got a lot of a lot more down tempo music same with Dessa, she's got a lot more down tempo music and singing so we'd like to build the Dream Tree crew sets to not have that stuff come out of nowhere. You know, we want to build a set that naturally shows all five vocal personalities without it ever seeming jarring or weird. Right, right. Yeah, 10 years, man. How do you guys, or like, is it longer than that? How long have you guys been together? I would say like 11, 12. 11, 12 um, years. How do you guys officially keep, go ahead. keep track? No, no not even keep track. How do, you keep this, how do you keep the chemistry alive? I mean, that's hard. I mean, it, it was harder before, but... Um, you know, we started in like 2000, 2001, and uh, it was four of us. We we're going to have a production team, you know, and then it slowly turned into 13, 14, 15 of us, and we were a rap crew. And then it slowly, you know, people fell off or people got real jobs or people, you know, had falling outs or whatever, and then it turned into seven, and it's been the seven of us for like eight years now. For eight years. Yeah, and we've we've, you know, we've been pretty consistent since it's been down to the seven i think we had some hard times where nobody was you know uh there were certain beefs between different people in the crew throughout time and then just slowly through touring and having something that's working and having these people that you care about you know they're the people in doom are my best friends right now you know um going through all the different trials and tribulations that could happen personally or business-wise or anything after going through like five years of it and then forging through some down times and then coming out the other side feeling great and having good quality music and still having fans and stuff like that, it's pretty difficult to 
really even worry about that at right. this point. Yeah, we're right. just we're just kind of friends. We think about our friendships before we think about business. We think about our friendships before we think about that's money. smart because I mean I often think that like mixing business and friendship it can be so fucking disastrous because like some of my best friends we have completely opposite ideas about business even yeah. though we have the same ideas about everything else what we think should happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. We did everything by committee mm-hmm. for years where we would be like, okay, we want to make t-shirts. Cool. Here's a t-shirt design. I don't like that one. Shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now here's 15 t-shirts design. Everybody vote. Okay. We all voted. That took six months. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we got the t-shirt design. We need to pick a manufacturer. Everybody votes again. You know what I'm saying? Like we did that for so long. Oh, I have a homie. Well, I have a homie. Well, I have for this real, place. For real. Yeah, yeah. And we did that for so long. That, you know, where everybody was the boss, everybody had a vote, everybody had a say, that after years and years of that, you kind of get a feel for where everybody goes on these decisions. Yeah. And then it starts kind of, it more falls to, you know, Laserbeak. Laserbeak is a dude that everybody in the crew trusts, not only with money, but as a good, sensible dude. You know, so by default, after nine years being in a crew, he can just kind of take the leadership role. Yeah, he kind of became the unofficial, super reluctant CEO. You okay. know, it's one of those things where if we would have started this thing where somebody was like, I'm the boss, this is how we're going to do it. it there's no, there's no way we would have lasted this right. long. Everybody's role they have now is the role that they naturally fell into after years and years right. and years right. and years. Yeah. That's interesting because even on, on a much smaller scale, like my producer, Mark, he and I have been working together for now, now like 12 years probably. And it's been to the point where at times like we we're best friends mm-hmm. and we did everything together. We lived together yep. for a while, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, then, and then it becomes like, oh, wait, living with each other is not meant to happen. Like we annoy the fuck out of each other when we live together. Sure. And to the point now where it's like now that it's 12 years in, like we're comfortable in our kind of like brotherly role where we're like we don't need to talk all the time. But when we talk it's effective and yep. we get and shit we, done we go right to skipping all the dumb shit exactly and and i kind of like we trust each other's sensibilities and we know each other's roles and like it is what it is and you just kind of like i mean with us and this might be too real but it's like we're not going to be best of friends but we understand our friendship you know what sure I mean? yeah. sure yeah i think it's you know it's like that depending on the time and date and member of doom tree it's the same thing for, yeah for absolutely. Some of us. absolutely um i think another another huge step in that was you know, going through those problems, you know, and, and same thing. As soon as we decided we wanted to be a crew, we're like, whoa, we need to get a house, you know? So yeah. we, we piled fucking so you guys real 12, 13 people into a shitty house and yeah. like everybody paid 200 bucks a month. What was it like when everybody stopped being polite and started getting real? <laughs> Nobody was polite to jump, you know, like at, at jump, like, uh, how old were you guys at this time? Late teens, early twenties. Yeah. You know, getting our first like real place. We had apartments and stuff like that, but our first real like we have this house. And there's you thirteen know? of you at the time? And twelve of you? Yeah, there's all of us and the crew. What did you guys all find? Like a mansion? Kinda, yeah. Wow. The second the second Doom Tree house was an actual mansion. Wow. Yeah. You guys packed that many people in there and like how what are you paying for rent when everybody's I mean, in there? I had a real room, so I paid probably like five hundred bucks. Yeah, but some people but there's had like nine rooms in the house. Yeah, side? some people took wow. the basement and divided it into a storage space and two other rooms. Wow, and, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. everybody finds a corner that they feel comfortable in, and then you know, slowly everybody gets older and wants a real place and right. wants a place to bring their girlfriends. So. That's crazy. Did you guys have a nickname for the mansion? Um, just Doomtree House and then Doomtree Two. <laughs> Doomtree House and Doomtree Two. Yeah, Doomtree Two is the actual mansion. Did you guys have a lot of fucking parties there and shit too, or was it like let's keep this like boot camp kind of? Um, the first house was too gross and dirty for any real parties. Yeah, but the second one had a good amount of them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did you guys? Did you guys throw shows there too and have people come over? Not so much. We play house shows. Yeah, and we we would still play house shows. House shows, shows are tight. You don't want to have a house show at your house though. So let's go back. This is all happening in Minneapolis. Yep, Minneapolis. Is that Minnesota. where you're born and bred? I'm born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. What kind of parents were you born to? Like, why were your parents in Minneapolis? My mom. I was, it was just me and my mom. Oh, okay. And, uh, she was in Minneapolis. Half of her family is from Brooklyn. The other half is from South Hill, Virginia. Like, little, tiny, 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 poor, dirty town. Yeah. Is it near the beach or is it far away from the beach? It's far from the beach. Yeah. It's just some rural. Yeah. Rural. Rural. Yeah. I um, was in rural Virginia a few months ago. It's Man, it is hot as fuck in the summer. It's hot. It's terrible. It's dirty. God pretty gross yeah but it's, yeah but it's all right i mean that's, that's yeah do you guys go back to virginia and visit as kids and uh, you know we have a couple family unions there yeah in my life we've had are you an only child i am an only child so just you and your mom just me and my mom i get a lot of those on the show a lot of people that end up being independent rappers it's just <laughs> them and their mom it's true a lot of people <laughs> yeah, yeah a lot of people in general for sure but i mean even particularly like the only child thing that's like yeah. a real theme that i have on here for some I think, reason i think only children Maybe end up being performers of some kind more often, but I've never looked into that. Yeah, I mean, why do you, why do you think it is? I have my theories. Just looking for that attention, man. I think it's an attention thing, but I think also if you're the only kid around and you're around your f- mom's friend group a lot, like you're around a bunch of adults, yeah. not only are you seeking that adult attention, but you have to do it in an intelligent manner. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to be like, be able to be make eloquent sentences for and real. speak like an adult. Yeah. Yeah. I was, my mom always tells me I was the kind of kid who just played by myself. I'd, yeah. have, I'd have whatever toys and I'd just sit and talk to them. And yeah. I wouldn't, you know, if there's other kids around, I would just shut up. Very shy or what? I think I was kind of shy for a while, but I was also just less shy but really happy with like myself and what i was doing and you know i didn't really think about other people Mm -hmm. until way later as a kid really yeah i think that you know um my my youngest kid uh might have some of those same kind of features just because he's in daycare and stuff but he spends all of his time with you know his mom and me and other adults yeah you know playing yeah (laughs) I feel like maybe when you're a child and you can relate to adults on that level, like other little kids must just seem like idiots. Maybe, <laughs> you know, like, maybe I know yeah. that, uh, Lincoln, that's my little guy. Yeah. He, uh, he started talking right around the time when he turned two. Yeah. And a lot of little kids don't start talking until they're three yeah. later on. So he's talking full sentences and asking questions to the other kids in his little preschool. Yeah. And they're all just, he's like, were you playing with those cars? And the other yeah. kids are like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> So he's looking at kids like, what is wrong with you? He's like, hey, come on, bro, let's shoot these dice. And they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wait, so you and your mom in Minneapolis, what was she doing to keep food on the table? Um, She gave up a career as a painter, not a career, but a dream as a painter Uh and a singer. Did she go to school? Did she go to art school? She went to art school, yeah. Yeah. She had a lot of art school friends hanging out when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, so you you have creative genes in you. I do. My yeah. da- my my dad before he bailed, he is uh was I don't know if he's dead or what, but he really it's like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He set up a a trust fund through the YMCA when he worked there for me and my half sister, his daughter. Yeah. Uh, when he when we were both little, but uh-huh. now the Y calls us you know every couple of years to be like, hey, have you seen your dad? Because we think he's dead. If he's dead, then we gotta pay you guys. Shut up. 
That's, it's absolutely fine. I've got. No, I know that it's fine. <laughs> oh, and I get that because my I, I've everyone has their dad issues, and I have yeah. my dad issues, everyone. and everyone always goes, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and I'm like, "Hey, I'm dealing with it on my own time." But at the same time, we do have our dad issues. Sure, sure. And, and so, it, well, you know, you brought up that he bailed. Why, when did he bail? How old were um, you? That's probably five. Yeah. And he. So you have memories of him. I have some memories. Yeah. But I, a lot of my memories of my dad are mixed in with like movies like Stand by Me or something like right. that, where I can't remember if it's a thing I saw. Right. When I was little, you can't remember if he yeah, was like, "Do you want to go see a dead body in the woods?" <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like it's always like fishing scenes from movies, or oh, like, or yeah. like BB guns shooting frogs yeah. on the porch, or some shit like that. Right, where it's like that could have happened. And you're like, "No, that's know. from Beavis and Butthead." What am I? Talking? This is what I'm yeah, saying. Right? Yeah, yeah. I grew up with my mom, and she was great. Yeah, and I never felt like I needed anything. How did they meet? Has she told you that story? Um, yeah, I think they met in school or something. Okay, so he was like an artsy fartsy dude too. Yeah, he was. He was a uh, yeah. He's a German guy came over here. German, German black man. A German black man, like war baby or whatever. Or yeah, military. Wow. Um, and then changed his name from something unpronounceable to Wesley Alexander, uh-huh. and then made me. Yeah. And then his, stuck around for five years and just dipped out. Yeah, his uh, his jazz band was making their, uh, their 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 attempt in Vegas is what I remember. Okay. And I think you know what I hear from like my aunts and uncles and from my half sister. Is that he was a really great dad, and then he just got into fucking crack, and then that was that, you know? Yeah. The 80s, man. The 80s. It was a dangerous time. It, it was. But again, I was t- I was so young when that happened that mm-hmm. not only did I not really notice, but mm-hmm. even well into my like late twi- late teens, I didn't really So when you say your aunts care. and uncles, you're talking about his brothers and sisters? His brothers and sisters. So they and kept in contact with you? They kept in contact with me for a minute, mm. and then... uh you know, there's just memories from my mom's side, too. Yeah, they yeah. All, they all thought he was really, really great until... And same with my sister. She'll tell me stories that he was a great dad. Yeah. She's older. You still keep in contact with her? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we text and Instagram and all that Where shit. Where is she at? She's in uh, Kentucky. That's the... Well, what does she do? Does, does the creative thing carry over into her, yep, too? she's a photographer. Get the fuck out. Yeah, it's crazy. We're, uh, that is crazy. We hadn't seen each other for years and years and years and years and years, like, since little kids. Yeah. And then I went on... My first warp tour in like 2004. How was that? It was it was cool. Yeah. I was selling merch for Atmosphere and picking up shows on the side stages every day. Yeah. And then we came through and she came out and we yeah. got to catch up in you person guys, for you the first look time. Yeah, we look alike. We're like into the same shit. Like really? it's like being separated had nothing. It didn't do anything. We're That's both like crazy. crazy arty and crazy like fucking strength of human yeah. heritage or something. That's, That's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. That's interesting. Mom put away the paintbrush to do what? Just have, like, kind of jobs to keep a roof over the head? Or did she get a career? Like, what happened? She had a career at a consultant firm mm-hmm. called Aon. Alexander and Alexander, and then it turned to Aon somewhere in there. She worked there for... Speaking of Alexander, did you keep that as a last name since your dad changed his name to that? Like, he, Yeah, that's just what happened. Yeah. I have my dad's last name. Okay. And my mom has her... Me and my mom never shared a name. And then she happens to work at a company called Alexander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. And then they changed to Aon. Yeah. And on consulting, she worked there for years. And then uh, a couple years ago, she retired, and her only job now is working for the Doomtree web store. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah. she handles you guys' web stuff? From day one, from jump. We've had a web store for, you know, eight or however many years yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and The warehouse is the warehouse, but most of the product on the web store sits in her basement, and her and my stepdad That's pack so up our orders and ship them out every Sunday. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, have you ever find like a hair in your Doomtree box? It's a little <laughs> bit of it's a little bit of POS DNA somewhere. It's, it's true. If you, I mean, 
It's all over. It's all over. Every package that comes from Doomtree.net is packed by my mom and stepdad. That's great. That's fantastic. Oh, so she remarried. She did. When did she remarry? Well, she got married, like, I want to say, like, eight, nine years ago, too. Okay. But that was the only time she got married. She yeah, was yeah. never married Oh, she was dad. never married. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So w- was it her boyfriend for a long time? Like, was it a yeah, stepdad yeah. father figure to you? Um, yeah. 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 I liked him right, right off the bat. Yeah. Um, I was already too old for him to be like a father figure, but right. he was always good for advice. You know? Right. It's like that wasn't dad. It's just like, hey, Steve, what's up? Or yeah. like whatever. Yeah. Doug. 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 It's hey, like, Doug. what's up, mom and Doug? Yeah. Well, mom and Doug. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So what? what's school like for a young POS? School was whatever. I uh, went to a lot of white schools. Yeah. Minneapolis. A, is there a lot of black folks there? There are. There are. There are. The north side of Minneapolis is... Mostly black. Okay. The, so it's kind of a segregated city then? Like the north side is where like is like what the the wrong side of the tracks is what they would call it yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. And there's black families scattered throughout South Side, yeah. scattered everywhere. Okay. There's there's black families everywhere. But yeah. the highest concentration of black people is in the north side of okay. Minneapolis. Yeah. And it's unsurprising that there's like no grocery store and no bridges and right. no way to get there. And you have like, to like travel to get food. Yeah. Northeast Minneapolis is uh, largely white. And they're separated by a bridge that was closed for like five years. <laughs> really? <laughs> and just, is that like the the rich white area or what? No, 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 no. no, no. Is there a lot of suburbs in Minneapolis? I don't know anything well, about the geography of it. Minneapolis and St. Paul are connected by, you know, a college little patch called Dinky Town, and then some freeways. Uh-huh. They're not super far apart. They're uh-huh. very similar. They're very cool. And then surrounding Minneapolis and St. Paul is suburb after suburb after suburb after suburb. Yeah. And the, the closer ones aren't so bad, and the farther ones aren't out, aren't so bad, but they are definitely far out. Why is there such a strong music scene in Minneapolis? I think it's because... Like, what does that come from? I think it's because the city is bigger than people expect it to be, so uh, it's like, it's kind of a big place. Yeah. But there's no major labels anywhere, and there's never been, and it's always kind of had a... Uh, like, even since, like, the 70s and 80s, there's been, like, a history of local musicians just going for it as hard as you can there and crafting their own sound yeah soul asylum was a punk rock band and yeah runaway train Come no on. they they got there yeah they, they made the pop record i guess the singer uh hurt his ears and had to make a quieter record and that's uh, that's when they blew up but before that they were a pop, punk, punk band. band this story is not gonna fucking work how i wanted to <laughs> in my head but i used to listen uh, i'm from alaska like i was telling you in the car and i used to listen to this syndicated radio show and i actually used to call in and talk to the dj dude because it it was the only show that we would get in alaska it was on like midnights at sundays or some on sundays or something and the dude would play all this fucking super alternative alternative yeah music and so i would call in and talk to him about old bad religion and face yeah. to face and shit like that and he was telling me like yo you what like i would talk to this guy so crazy but he was like yo you got to listen to like the old soul asylum records because like they're this crazy punk rock band before before that and so anyways that's my old, connection to soul asylum yeah old soul asylum who's could do replacements oh i don't know who's could do right? yeah, yeah oh i love the replacements too i didn't know that i didn't know that they were from minneapolis yeah man branched out into uh I don't know, not branched out, but Amphetamine Reptile Records was there. That was like Helmet. And, yeah. Wow. Uh, Are You Dil- Satisfied is like, is like one of my favorite songs. Oh, yeah, Sorry. dude. I'm I saying like I love great, great music. I mean, not to mention Prince. Prince is, I mean, is, I mean Prince, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, The yeah. Time. Like there was eras and waves of music that, yeah. is, that is taking over what our city sounds like. And, you know, I know that I'm not the only person 
I'm, I'm one of many, 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 many people that as soon as I turned 14 and realized there was local bands, I didn't listen to shit that wasn't from Minnesota for years. Yeah, that's you know another thing that I've always thought about Minneapolis and, and now oh, like Seattle as well is like, man, you guys fucking support your own. Like you're Absolutely. in this own little bubble and it's like, man, people, no one hears about the Minneapolis acts until they've already taken over the city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean. And every genre, dude, every genre, there's always been kind of like a legacy of bands doing that in Minneapolis. Yeah. I know that before I turned 18, I was going to all ages shows or punk rock houses or basement shows two or three times a weekend. Yeah. You know? Turn 18 and then go to the same basements, but then you can go to some of the clubs. Yeah. And I just wasn't listening to any music if it wasn't local, regional, or touring through and playing with bands. Yeah. You know, I just didn't click the radio on for solid years. What kind of music was it? Because uh, I don't know that. I, I'm like, don't follow that closely, but I know, like, through the grapevine, I feel like you've had, like, a you had, like, a punk rock background, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I played in bands seriously. One of my first tour with my punk band when I was 14. Wow. I, what uh, was you guys called? We were called Ohm. Ohm. I was in a band called Hard Knocks and a band called ADHD. And what we were you playing? Uh, Ohm, I played guitar and sang. Hard Knocks, I played drums. ADHD, I played drums. Played in Cadillac Blindside, I played drums. Uh, singing and screaming. Yeah, I mean, there's... Yeah. Okay, so now we're, I'm, getting ahead of, I'm getting ahead of where I want to be right now. So let's go back a little bit. So you're in school, and, and you say it's whatever. But I feel like you probably took to it easy. You probably were fucking reading before you got in school. <laughs> you're smart as shit, I yeah, can tell. I, I, was, I was way ahead. And you talked about you went to mostly white schools. I didn't. I, I was in uh, Northside schools uh -huh. until... Not far, like second grade. Yeah. And then I was all of a sudden in these like super white, super clean schools. Yeah. And uh, that so was what, fine. And what was the difference between, between them? Like what was it like jumping from a mostly black school to a mostly white school? Um, Again, I'm a, I'm a real easy kind of person. Yeah. I like, I like slide into situations and make myself comfortable. So I did. Yeah. But that said, it was, it was tricky. It was tricky just because you're learning – you know, I wasn't looking at people like, oh, who are these white guys? Right. But they, I mean, you're fucking were, third grade. Like for that, real. Yeah. But they're looking at me like, why yeah. are you black? Right. <laughs> you know? Like, it doesn't make sense. It so, doesn't. I mean, if, yeah, if you're, when you're a little kid and you don't have that filter, like, you know what I mean? But that's how I got into punk rock. Because yeah. by the time I was, by the time I was in like sixth, seventh grade, I had met skateboarders. Yeah. And people had given me tapes. Yeah. You know? And it was just like, these people think I'm crazy. And when I encounter black people... They think I'm crazy too. Yeah. So I'm just gonna have a mohawk. Yeah. You know, I'm just gonna like start getting tattooed now. You kind of like literally became you were like the black sheep. Yeah. Yeah. And, um I mean, yeah, there was there was there was a few like me, but I met older kids that skated. Yeah. Dove heavily into skateboarding. Through skateboarding got into punk rock. Through punk rock got into like looking like a punk. Yeah. And from looking like a punk, everybody either left me all the way alone or were like interested in what I was doing. Yeah, like what's your story? Yeah, yeah. So do you stick with school or are you a, you a dropout? I am a dropout, yeah. I, uh, I had a feeling. Man, that's another one. All the fucking smart kids that get into rap, they drop out of school too. I mean, I didn't want to drop out of school. I, you know, I, I didn't like doing homework. I didn't like doing busy work and I didn't like the way I was treated. So I ended up... How were you treated? Just like assuming that I was fucking up. Yeah. You know, assuming that just I was... Just because of your aesthetic? Because of my aesthetic. You yeah. Know, not just being a black guy in a predominantly white school, but wearing the exact same outfit every day and having a huge mohawk did you care about hygiene like were you like a gutter punk that just I, smelled like shit i did smell like shit but yeah. I, it's not that i didn't care i'd like yeah. brush my teeth yeah. but i just was not interested in pressing 
I didn't want to impress people, and like the right. girls I liked liked me anyway. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Was, they don't care how bad your balls smell. <laughs> they didn't, dude. And back then, I, nobody cared about anything. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Were you a drug experimentation guy? I was actually all the way sober. Um, like straight edge? Um, I never did straight edge. Cause I smoked cigarettes. Okay. Um, but I fucked around with some drugs pretty early, and then I got sober uh, right around fourteen. So you were like a 12, 13-year-old, like, fucking with drugs and going like, man, I got to straighten out. Well, <laughs> I, I got to get sober. Yeah, I was, I was like a skate rat. I'd listen to music and yeah. smoke pot and yeah, do yeah. whatever drugs are around. And then yeah. by the time I was 14, I got, I had scared myself. You know, I didn't have like a long drug experience or like a long drug path that led me to like Did sobriety. But I just scared myself over a crazy long week and then ended up meeting a bunch of sober people and thinking mm. it was a cool vibe. Going there. What was the what was the long week about? Like you just were getting fucked up for the whole week. Just straight? just getting having a you know rough rough summer trying some drugs. Young yeah. young young kid yeah. shouldn't try. Had any of the stories from your dad trickled down and kind of experienced that too? Of like oh maybe there's like something in my genealogy that will no. Nah, okay. I never I never thought about shit that way. Yeah yeah. And I didn't really think about my dad's drug problem until yeah. I was already yeah way older. It's funny like that's the thing. I don't really drink that much as an adult now. I'll let myself wild out like maybe once a month. Sure, sure. But that's the thing is that I'm not a person that can have one beer. And so I always say like I don't think that I'm an alcoholic, but I think I got tendencies. Yeah. And in my family I, there's a lot of alcoholism. And so I just like I, I know better, you know what I mean, than to like really let myself test myself. So Same. Same. yeah, yeah. Booze doesn't taste good. No, you know. Not, so yeah. if, if you're gonna drink it, it's because you want to get fucked up. And yeah, there's, and there's exactly. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But you know, I'm not gonna have a beer because what? Same. I'd rather it, have that a doesn't re- that doesn't relax me. Like I need about four or five of them. You know. I've never been a huge drinker though. I had some scary aunts drinking growing up. So okay, I limit that pretty hard. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do like to smoke. And uh, I just quit, man. Eleven months ago. Eleven months. Is- I, I have an app on my phone that keeps track. Oh, for cigarettes? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was talking about weed. Oh, okay. Weed. My but bad. I, even that though is what I was saying. Is it's like I smoke cigarettes though. Yeah. Um. Pretty. I keep, try to keep it low. Yeah. I'm adult. I'm growing up. Yeah. It's hard on you, so I try to keep it chill. Yeah. And weed, man. I can't wake up and smoke joints like some of my friends. Right. I gotta be awake. I gotta get as much done in the day as I can, or I gotta get my thoughts together first. Anyway. I was a real heavy weed smoker back in my like from about sixteen to twenty three, like heavy weed smoker, and then I quit. And then now I feel like I just can't really go back. Like yeah. I mean, I'm a straight kook when I'm stoned now. So like, <laughs> you know, that's like a maybe a twice a year thing, and that's about it. Like special occasion type shit. I'm the only person I know that was stone sober through all of high school. Yeah, but uh, from like fourteen to twenty two, I didn't have a drink or anything like that. Were you partaking in the women though? Yeah. Okay. So you weren't. So <laughs> it wasn't just the cigarette, like, because you know the straight edge shit yeah, is like yeah. no I never, booze, no I never, sex, all never that. claimed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't even really interested in it. I, I, I like minor threat. Yeah. But like, I never got into like yeah. straight edge hardcore. Right. Or that kind so of stuff. It, it was just more like you know, let's keep a fucking clear mind. Yeah. 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 The band thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, dad was a jazz musician. Dad was a jazz musician. More creativity in the bloodline, and so yeah. when do you start picking up instruments? Because it sounds like you play a lot of them. In fourth grade, I think I saw the video for Guns N' Roses' Paradise City. Yes. In the Paradise City video, I don't know if you remember, but they go to like a football field, mm-hmm. and then it's a time lapse of a stage getting built, mm. road crew coming and building a whole stage, building all the lights, getting everything set up, and then Guns N' Roses goes on stage, the place is packed, and yeah. it's a show. Yeah. But it's a time lapse. It all happens in the, the course of this song. It's like a you know, yeah, speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But watching that video was the first time in my life I realized that Oh, that's a job. Yeah. Oh, people do music for job. Wow. So, I, li- in, I like 10 years old. Yeah. That's amazing. So I borrowed a 
my cousin's bass guitar. Yeah. And didn't realize it needed to be amplified. And I just sat and pounded on that thing all the time. Mm-hmm. So I taught myself how to play bass. I taught myself how to play guitar. How do you teach yourself, though? The internet's not around then. Like, no, what? you just you listen to songs, and then you try to play the songs. Listen to them. With, yeah. You know, like yeah. that. Play that, along with the tapes. Yeah. So yeah. pretty much just like you hear a song, you figure out, you see somebody make a chord mm-hmm. in a photograph, and mm-hmm. then you make it on yeah, the guitar yeah. and then you just try to like figure it out you know? wasn't life so much harder before the internet because now it's just like <laughs> well let me go look up the tabs well no i mean even if you look up the tabs you still gotta like learn what you're doing right and i just I, I, I can read tabs i can't read music but i can sound anything if i hear a note i can find that note on a different thing and then mm-hmm. try to go play it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so guitar how'd, bass drums keyboard how, how'd you what came after the bass guitar yeah. and then how do you learn drums that's like that's uh, a- my, my buddy john ness he had drums at his house so you know i'd go to his house and i'd play guitar and he'd play drums for a while then we'd switch yeah you know and, and did you guys just like disappear and did you guys like shed for a year basically not a year man yeah. i think this was all of my time all okay. of my time spent time. you know you know when when you're a kid and you find something you love you obsess over it Absolutely. and you just do it all the time until it's what you until you've got it yeah. you know yeah and that was instruments for me and uh, I just I just loved it. I loved being in bands. I loved playing songs. I loved watching bands, and I loved all that. And then my friend Kai M K Lorado, one of the founding Doom Crew members, we were in a punk band together. He played bass. I played guitar. This is Ohm. We both sang that, but this is Ohm. Okay. And during that band, he was always listening to like Bjork and like dance music and Moby and like all yeah. this stuff. So he would get, you know, he had a computer. So he would use like his little sound edit programs and show me how beats were made. And then mm-hmm. he'd play me like a Bjork song or a Portishead song and be like, no, nah, man, that's not a band. I mean, it's a band, but there's yeah. samples. This is what's going on. Right, right. So then I got an NPC. Yeah. I'd set it up in my mom's house and yeah. there's no sounds in it. So I'm just like, what do I even do? Yeah. So I got it plugged into a stereo and I'm sampling anything I could find. And then, yeah. you know, it's just. That's so funny. Yeah, Portishead was one of those bands for me where I would, I loved them in high school and like would just listen to them constantly. And then, Going back after like learning all this stuff about beats and listening to it now, I'm like, this music makes so much more sense to me now. Because at the time, I was like, yo, this is like this most amazing band, and now I'm like, oh, this is like a really good beat maker. Like that's what it was. It is. It's an amazing band. Yeah, yeah. But it's also yeah. Right, right. Portishead is super. So how do you guys start going on tour as 14 year olds? Um, Maximum Rock and Roll is a, a old, magazine, right? Mm-hmm, it's yeah. old punk rock yeah. newsprint zine. I used they, to hear like No Effects talk about them. I yeah. think, yeah, No Effects and Tim, the guy that uh, started Maximum Rock and Roll, I think they fell out because No Effects got so popular. Yeah, right? yeah. But I don't know anything about it. Right. I just know what I hear in these songs. Right. Um, but they used to put out a yearly Maximum Rock and Roll magazine called Book Your Own Fucking Life, which just was pages and pages and pages of addresses phone numbers diy venues to diy venues people's basements punk rock record stores all this stuff that's tight so i just got on the phone and started calling people and then you you put together like a little two week long midwest ripper yeah and you play the shows who would drive for you guys i mean in our band was 14 15 16 year olds yeah the bands we run on tour with us they there might have been like a 17 year old you know like that was it. We just yeah. <laughs> borrowed some cars. Whoever from, whoever had a license at the time was yep. the, was the designated driver. I have no idea how we got our parents to go for it. Yeah. But we had spent that whole year before that summer yeah. playing shows all the time and like yeah. started to get a little buzz for ourselves. I mean, that's coming. so mind-blowing to me because like you trained yourself at 14 for the <laughs> career that you have now. So you've been touring yeah, I mean, for like how, you know. I know that, no joke, years. As, as soon as I saw that Guns N' Roses video, 
my little fourth, fifth grade mind was like, I need a van. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no joke, man. Yeah. I, I'm, 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 I was built for this. I was, That's built, funny. I was built to be on the road as a lifer. I always think that like, as a musician, you make the music that you know how to make and that comes out of you. But yeah. I feel like similar to like you know how every athlete wants to be a rapper and every yeah. rapper wants to be an athlete, I feel like everybody kind of secretly wishes they could make the kind of music that they listen to and not the kind of music Absolutely. that they make. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, because like, I wish that I could make music like Future, honestly. Yeah. But, I wish I could make music you know. like Aesop rock but somehow slightly crazy poppy yeah you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly like every everybody has their stuff that they listen to and then the stuff that they make so like when you're in this punk band fucking pounding out probably a few power chords and playing really fast mm -hmm. but you're listening to these complex like bjork and portishead songs are you like whoa i wish i could make that no i was really into making punk and hardcore yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and listening to other stuff it yeah. wasn't until turning 18 ish 17 18 when all my band members started going to college where I was like, fuck, what am I going to do without these right. dudes? And then it was like... Oh, yeah. At what point did you drop out first off? Um, right at the end. I, I just, I kept going to, they kept putting me in different alternative schools. Yeah. Um, I would pass these tests with like flying colors. Yeah, were you the kid where it's always like, look, man, you know, you have a lot of potential, yep. but you're just yep. not taking advantage of it. For real. They, yeah, that's all they ever said to me. But yeah. the, instead of helping me, they'd just be like, okay, you're going to go to this school where all the yeah. girls are pregnant and there's a pool table. Yeah, like, oh, we're going to go teach you how to be an auto mechanic. No, right? not even. Yeah. Not even. It would be like, okay, so if you want to graduate, you got to fill out these 20 worksheets. Yeah. You have six months. Oh, my God. It's like, okay, yeah. I guess I'll. I'll flirt guess with this pregnant girl and play pool all day every day. Wow. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was yeah. one of those things where I ultimately could have graduated from that in like a week. In a week. Yeah. But yeah. it was like this is a waste of my time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I got a job as a dishwasher. Where at? D'Amico and Sons, Ita like Italian fast, fast Italian. Nice. You know? Yeah, yeah. Did you learn how to toss pizza eventually? No, I insisted on not cooking. Promoting. Like they'd oh. be like, You wanna prep cook? Yeah, be like, too much I, responsibility. I'd be like, do I have to? Yeah. Because as a dishwasher, I think about getting a job as a dishwasher. Because you got now. freedom. Because it's like it doesn't matter if you lose that job, you yep. go find you another. Put on one. some headphones, you listen to beats, you listen to songs, and mm -hmm. you just fucking clean, clean. You just not even clean. You put the fucking line up the dishes in a rack, and you put it in a thing and pull a lever. Yeah, it's nothing. You don't even move. Yeah. Anyway, that was good. <laughs> okay, so you got your job. You drop out of school, and you're 18, and your friends are going to college. Yep, and it's like, what the fuck am I going to do? My band is breaking up. That was mm. all I dedicated myself to from yeah. fucking the summer between 8th and ninth grade until... Put all your eggs in that basket. Yep. Um, but right as everybody started going to school, I scrambled. Me and my buddy Isaac started a band called Building Butter Bombs, which is currently called Marijuana Death Squads. We're still a band. It's oh. like uh, noise jazz. Yeah. <laughs> Techno noise jazz. Um, and then i joined cadillac blindside as a drummer that band eventually got signed to fueled by ramen and okay. went off to go do that and uh i started rapping that's when i started rapping seriously i had always rapped with my cousins and my friends yeah. i was like goofed about it but it wasn't until everybody started going to college where i was like i need to figure out something else to do musically right now or yeah. i'm gonna lose my mind so yeah. i started rapping seriously because i didn't need anybody else yeah know? get a beat rap fucking go play a show uh-huh so that was why I started rapping. Where were you? Never, and you never listened to rap? I listened to rap. I listened to a little bit. I listened to like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and whatever was on the radio. Yeah. My cousins would listen to like UGK. Yeah. You know? Um, and then my buddy Alexi, the rapper Crescent Moon from... Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 He gave me a cassette tape that had Aesop Rock on one side. Yeah. And like Company Flow, some Atmosphere and some other stuff on the other side. Yeah. 
I loved it. I listened to it all the time. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I feel like everybody our age had that friend that gave them that tape. It's true. You know what I mean? Because I had that tape, too. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you, you ever heard this uh, Aesop Rock guy? Yeah. Nope. And yep. then you go, what? Aesop Rock is white? Yeah. Like, that's mind-blowing years, to me. Years I later. always pictured him as a fucking, when I first heard him, I always pictured him as a black dude with dreads yep. that looked like a fucking college <laughs> professor. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite picture that, but well, maybe I'm crazy. No, it's like, maybe yeah. I'm a racist. Was that was that racist? <laughs> it's not. I definitely <laughs> thought it was a black guy too. But uh, that old yeah. rhyme stairs, headshots, tapes, yep. like all this stuff. Yeah, I didn't. I had always heard the stuff and listened to it, but I didn't really take it seriously until then because that's when I realized that it was local and that's yeah. like a thing you could do. I always right. knew that punk bands, you make a seven inch, you play shows in town. But it's, rappers are they're from California and LA. The There's funny no thing is, here. is that the parallel between that is that at the same time for me, because for all intents and purposes, we're the same age. Like that was when I had moved to California and I was listening to the same fucking thing going like, oh, wait, rap can sound like this. I'm like, because yeah. I rapped and I loved rapping and I loved hip hop as an art form and I grew up with it. Yeah. But I didn't know it didn't seem like a viable option until I started seeing people that looked like me doing it. I feel that. You know what I mean? I feel that. For me, it wasn't about anybody looking like me. Yeah. It was about hearing company flow and being like, this is punk. This is what I've been doing. That was the other thing, too, as I was like, I was going to a ton of punk shows, like I was telling you in the car, and I was going like, oh, this independent hip hop thing, it sounds like. The DIY thing they're talking about sounds just like the DIY thing that like all the punk bands I grew up For listening real. to are doing. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely, know? absolutely. So you told me in the car you got you knocked somebody up when you're 17. I did. Yeah. <laughs> how does that? How how does that feel as a 17 year old? All your friends are going out to school and you got a, and you got your girl pregnant. It was scary. Yeah. It was scary. You know. It's got to be. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. You just go get a fucking dishwashing job. You got to do it. Yeah. You know? it took me a few years to get my head on straight enough to make sure I was doing a good job. I mean, you're a baby yourself, and you mm -hmm. got a baby coming, and like, and you've never had any experience with a father. You know what I mean? Like, what do you tell yourself? Like, how how am I gonna do this being a dad? You know? I, don't, I didn't tell myself anything. Yeah. I didn't really know what to do. I just did, you know? Yeah. And then it just slowly came naturally. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It uh, made me take everything seriously. Made, uh -huh. me, made me feel like, fuck, I don't want a job. Did I it, never wanted a job. I don't, I don't, you know, what am I going to do? A lot of my friends that have kids early in life, they tell me that that's like when yeah, the hustle mode clicks in. Kind not, of. Not, not only the hustle mode, but yeah. like taking anything seriously at all. Yeah. You know, I was not... I was ready to like hop in my van yeah. and just like, this is what I'm going to do. Uh -huh. I, didn't, I didn't have a van at the time, but my life plan was get a van, go on tour, be on tour. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So in order to make that a reality, you have to make that pay. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? You got to figure that out. Yeah. Right. Right. It's all luck, man. I feel like most of the things in my life have been a good combination of being a real lucky dude uh -huh. and a real like, okay I'm going to make this work kind of dude. Right. You know, like like almost stubborn to an extent yeah, or something. If the situation is not perfect or good, I'm not the kind of person who's going to be like, ah, oh, oh, my life is over. Right. Like, I'm the kind of person that's like, well, I'm still here, so I got to do something. Silver lining type thing. Like you see the yeah. positivity in it. I do see a lot of positivity. I do see a lot of silver linings. I mean, I'm just curious, I guess, because I never, I still don't have any kids, man. And I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I should have fucking accidentally knocked somebody up at, at some point <laughs> in my life. But uh, point being is like, I mean, when you're a kid, like, I, I don't know, what do you go do with your kid? What do you go do? Like, just, it doesn't seem like your life had a ton of structure at that time. So you probably had a lot of free time. Yeah, his, his, his mom was incredibly structured and incredibly like, 
yeah. smart. Yeah. And she definitely like took care of the heavy lifting. Was it ever at a, at that time like, hey, we should like try to make this work and be like a family or was it just kind of like we both understand that we're going to like do our own thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we we didn't both I mean, we lived together for years. Yeah. We still live together actually. Oh, really? And yeah, she's she's got a dude and a different kid by a different dude and like yeah. it's just we just try to you know, we didn't get along for years, and then after we got along, we got along to the point where it was like, okay, let's just find a house, and we'll all live in the house and make, really? it, and make it work. So you guys yeah. have, like, a weird Brady Bunch thing going on. Kind of, yeah. That's great. You know, there was a point there where both my kids' moms and kids and yeah. one of my kids' moms' husband and their kid yeah. and our friend were all living in the same house together. Yeah. And it was really, really, really a great situation for a couple of years. You know, we moved on since then. But, yeah. But That's yeah. great. The point is to make it work. The yeah. point is to make sure, every, you know, right. a lot of animosity can build up between, like, people and their kids' parents or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's all, there's all kinds of reasons to be mad at people. Yeah. But it's usually not very helpful. Are you a therapy dude? Did you ever have therapy? I went to AA. To AA? <laughs> yeah, when I, was, when I was a little kid. When you were young. When I was young, I, was, did, I did that for a couple like years. Like the 14-year-old yeah. type thing? Really? That's, that was Just part of the getting young, sober. Young people's groups. Yeah, yeah. I never did therapy. I was never huge into it. But well, because that's what I'm saying. Like With upbringing of dad bailing and then having a kid at young, it's, it, you seem very conscious and, and aware. And, and I mean, to me, it seems like you'd have to fucking work through a lot of shit in order to get there. <laughs> you I know? think I worked through a lot of that shit just throughout the course of my life, you know? Yeah. You, I did... 225 shows on the record never better yeah and then i got off of that not knowing who my friends were not knowing what my life was and then you know reading some books eating some ecstasy yeah <laughs> you know yeah, like yeah. you know like there's there's there are solid resets you can have in your life and i feel like the constant search for new information about how the brain works constant search for new information about you know how human beings work how you work yeah you know and then you're a lifelong learner and you're kind of a self-therapist. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's nothing better than that. You yeah. Know? yeah. There's, there's, there's nothing better than the ch- turning the corner from like a road rage dude to yeah. having somebody cut you off and being like, oh man, that guy must be in a serious hurry. Yeah. Or he's having a really shitty day. I'll just back up. Man. That's a, <laughs> if know? everybody on the road thought like that, the world would be such a I didn't place. always think like that, man. Yeah. I feel like I had like a real solid turning point in my life in 2009. What, you know, what happened in 2009? You know, just uh, touring really hard, spending a lot of time by myself and reading a lot of books to myself. Yeah. You know, going through a horrible breakup and feeling like. Well, like you thought you were with the one? Yeah. And then it it ended? Yeah. I mean, me and Dessa from Doomtree, we dated for the first chunk of Doomtree and then broke up. And then still had to, like, go see each other at meetings about Doomtree, like, every week. Oh, so this is the relationship you're talking about? I mean, that was definitely one of them. Uh, Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, So you... What what books are you reading at this point? Like, what was a Game Changer book for you? A lot of Game Changer books. Um, There's an anarchist collective of kind of, like, cartoony but real kind of vibe anarchists called Crime Think. And they're a lot of a lot of like hardcore anarchists really don't appreciate what they talk about because a lot of what they talk about is like breaking down of the idea of work uh-huh. and like the servant class and kind of <clears throat> restructuring capitalism in a way that is you know either restructuring capitalism or destroying it entirely uh-huh. is beneficial to mankind as a thing. You yeah. know, like this is just something I believe in my heart. Whether or not we're gonna. End yeah. up with that out in the world. I mean, I fully believe that capitalism you know, is fucked. It's organized crime. Yeah. It's, and it's always going to ruin people. And, and I mean, like, there's so much 
proof in the pudding that like trickle down economics and Reaganomics mm-hmm. they don't they don't work and no, they, they're uh, bad for society. Yeah. And the people that vote for that kind of shit, it's bad for them. Yeah. Like they have tricked the people, people that vote for it. People have this weird fantasy in their head that they're gonna end up rich soon, so they make choices on what their future yeah, rich every, person self Everyone's is going, living you know? for their future self. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. But reading heavily about you know, I used to sweat really hard how the world works and injustices and all these things. And I yeah. still sweat them, but reading about them and feeling like I have an understanding about why they are calms you down. Yeah. Same thing about relationships. Same things about, and why am I so stressed out? Yeah. Same things about like, why do I let all, all of these little things get to me? You know, if you learn and understand how humans work, it's harder to get stressed out about such stupid shit. Yeah. You know? So I'm not saying that there was a... I mean, there was some ridiculous shit that happened in 2009 in my life, but more than that, it was just a good time in my life. I was in my, you know, starting to hit my late 20s. I was starting to like... That's really a prime. Like like I said, you know, we're the same age, et cetera. And so it's kind of like, I feel like 28, 29 is when I really started to like, yeah. you kind of start having a lot of realizations about yourself, but you also, you kind of realize the shitty things about yourself and are kind of able to take a step back from them and, and go want- like, let's let's work on this. Yeah, instead of... Instead of being like, oh, this is how I am. I'm yeah. just a shitty dude. Yeah, That's what I used to say. <laughs> I'm like, well, sorry, I'm just a piece of shit. That's what I would yeah. tell people. Sorry, man, I'm just a fucking asshole. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait, I don't, I, I don't want to be an asshole. Yeah, I don't have to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, can, I mean, realistically, around that time is when I started doing this kind of shit. And just talking to people has, I feel like, has been so beneficial for super. me as a person. Just like, as like learning about people and listening. Instead of just waiting for my time to talk. You know, that's like something that I never used to do. It's huge. And it was like the same, the same time in my life. I'm a way better listener than I am a talker. You're pretty good at talking, though. I'm, 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 I'm good at, if, if it's talking about me and my, my, my history you're and my making, story. You're making my job easy. So we skipped past a bunch of stuff. So when you start rapping, you already had the name P.O.S. picked out? Uh, no, that was well, when I was 14 also, too. I'd been rapping for a little bit, but I didn't, you know. Yeah. Pissed off stuff was funny, you know. It's yeah. just, it's like I was never really mad at anything. Yeah. People always thought I was mad because I looked like somebody that would be mad. Right. But, you know, Johnny Rotten had a name. Sid Vicious had a name. Yeah. You know? Yeah. POS, pissed off stuff. Yeah. And what's the first, how long does it take you to get, like, something out there when you, when you decide to, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a rapper? Rap was harder. I had been putting out tapes and CDs and stuff like that with punk bands forever, but mm-hmm. rap didn't come till harder I, uh, or till later because everybody I knew that rapped already had a rap group. Mm-hmm. The only other kid that I knew that rapped that didn't have a rap group was this guy, Dave. But we didn't really get along very well. Mm-hmm. But I hit him up out of the blue, and I was like, you still rapping? He's like, yeah, I'm in the studio this week. I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And we made a record together. Mm-hmm. Uh, our city loved it. In a week, and, you guys made a record? No, oh. in, in a couple months, we made a record and yeah. put it out. And then it came out, and you know, people came to our shows. Uh, the local weekly said, after we broke up, six months in, um, the weekly called us like the best group to break up that year. Oh. Yeah, all this stuff. And then we had all these shows in the books. And then I just uh, kept the shows. After we broke up, I just kept the shows as POS and I'd fill it in with the rest of my rap friends. So he was rapping with you? You guys he were like rapping. A, we were a called, duo? We, yeah, we were a duo called Sino Species. Uh-huh. He was Cyst. I was POS. And, uh, you know, we made the record and then immediately butted heads and fought yeah. and yeah. fell out. And, yeah crew broke up but we had shows on the books that i booked so i kept them kept them and just kept my momentum going and minneapolis seems like it has a tight-knit hip-hop community and so at that point that's when you start meeting everybody 
Yeah. I mean, I had met people because it's a music community, not just a hip hop community. So, you know, I'd meet some people at punk shows and then I'd see them at rap shows. I was friends with the Dillinger Four guys. I was, you know, just people would see me out all the time. Right. You're like a scene kid. I was a scene kid. Yeah. 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 And so I don't know. How do you start meeting the Doomtree family at that point? Most everybody in Doomtree, either we went to the same high school mm. or I guess everybody in Doomtree went to the same high school except Dessa. Mm-hmm. And we found her later because she was our next door neighbor. That seems like yeah, she was in like the serendipitous. S- it's really weird. Uh, everybody. Yeah. Mike is from L.A., but. His parents sent him to live with his aunt and uncle in Minneapolis because he was fucking up mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. So we met at high school when he... They said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle to St. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> to Golden Valley. There you go. It? To Hopkins. Yeah. Um, but that was tight. So met those dudes, went to school with these dudes. It was pretty much... Doomtree started because everybody that... Everybody I knew that rapped... I've reached out to him. I was like, Beak, you love hip-hop music. Yeah. Um, I've been making beats. Like, you should now. Yeah. No, no, you oh, should, yeah. you should, he knew. Yeah. And I was just like, you should buy one of these things. Cause we made that Sino species record. Uh-huh. We were paying all kinds of money for the beats, uh-huh. paying all kinds of money for studio time, made the record group broke up, had all these shows, played all these shows, made all these songs. All of a sudden it was like, I got all these songs. I got all these friends that make beats now. I got all this stuff. All right, well let's make a record. So mm-hmm. made, made a record. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with this record? Okay, well, we got to find some... What are we going to... Okay, let's put it out. Mm-hmm. Right, how do we put it out? Put it out. You know, like, it's it's all, like, the entire time from Doomtree has been... And at that time, I mean, out and like, for, for, for context, too, this probably this probably predates MySpace, right? Yeah. And definitely. so, what were you guys on? SoundClick? You guys we, have a SoundClick? We weren't on the internet. You guys weren't on the internet? No, we had people that were cool with the internet, but we were still in the thing where it's like... I don't want to buy a computer and learn software. Let's try and play shows with this mini disc player. Mm. No, that's not working. Yo, Shit. Let's try to, yeah, let's try oh to play God. shows with this mini disc four track. Yeah. You know, like we tried every piece of technology there was and then finally got pro tools. Yeah. And everything got easy. I started playing shows before Serato and I remember like we were early adopters on Serato and I like I splurged and bought it for my DJ just because like it made life so much easier. And now people can't even imagine. I mean, now barely anybody even uses Serato anymore. They just use CDJs with USB plugs and shit. Yeah, exactly. Just plug it in and play. But I mean, at the time, Serato just like changed our life because we had tried everything yeah. before that pl- to play beats off of. And everything. It was always so shoddy. Mini discs. We tried yep. that. And yeah, you just, terrible. You end up playing a show where you're certain something's going to go wrong. Absolutely. And it does. Yeah. Like part of getting your chops up at that point was just failing so frequently mm-hmm. that you, like learning how to bounce back from the failures totally. is was how you learn to be entertaining. Totally. Like we used to have so many technical difficulties when we played shows that I had like two great jokes memorized that I would always tell <laughs> that, I would, like, that I would go to to like, okay, hey guys, don't lose me yet. Uh, but yeah, that's great. So you, and then, so you guys put out the tape and, and that's when it's like, let's, let's make the doom tree house. Uh, no, I mean, it was, it was all more organic than that. You know, it was, yeah. it was, okay, we got these shows. I need more songs now. Cause our group broke up. I, I need to fill this time. Yeah. So I'll make more songs. Yeah. Okay. Shit. Now I got all these songs. What should we, Oh, let's make a record. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do we do with this record now? Now let's call CD manufacturers to see, you know what I'm saying? Like it was yeah. like every step to building this label has been, well, we need this now. How do we do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's been you like got to ask the question to learn the answer yep. type of thing. Yeah. Then that's a great attitude. You know what I mean? Like learning how to do it yourself is better than having anybody help you do it. I, I think so. Especially if you can learn how to do it yourself with your friends and then have your friends help you do it while everybody's learning at the same time. And that mm-hmm. was one of the key things about Doom Tree yeah. is I can book a shows. 
Sims can find these crazy manufacturing places. Everybody trusts Beak with some money. Dessa can get us some press. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. everybody putting in the skills that they have mm-hmm. to come out with a bigger thing for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And man, and I, I'm, I'm always trying to press that on this show because a lot of the kids that listen, I think, are like, you know, they're aspiring whatever. Sure. Particularly since like about 2010. You know, there's so many people that get scooped up after they put out one great thing, you know, they put out their first great video and then it's like, boom, they're part of the system and they haven't, not only are they not given any time to like be groomed by people who know, but they haven't given given themselves any time to be groomed because they're so new to the whole thing. And you guys are like a case in point of like, if you take your time and build your own audience, you can create a longstanding career, you know what I mean? Because you guys can still tour and people come out all the time and and, and you have that. We are... Off of not only the mainstream radar, but we're off of like the independent hip hop radar. I mean, like let's let's keep it a hundred. Like the yeah. type of music that we make is not really like that's not the popular shit it's anymore. Not. But the type of fans that you guys have created are the type that are very loyal. Yeah, and and they also they're loyal enough to where they pass it down to people. Not only their friends, but their kids. Dude. We have generations, man. We yeah. did we did a decade of sold out shows called the Doomtree Blowout in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. The first blowout was just us seeing what a show with only us on the bill could draw. Because mm-hmm. every show up to that point we had played, we were opening for opening. somebody or do something else. And then it became an annual sold out thing every single year. You know, it's just it's it's all about it's all about building with your friends. It's Absolutely. all about having finding your lane and carving it. If you wanna make it bigger, make it bigger. If you wanna do anything, do it. But you can't just be like, This isn't working anymore. What do I gotta sound like now? Right, right. Oh nah, man, you just make what you make. And, and part of that I think is like you you really have to be as an artist, just you have to find that comfort in your own skin. Yeah. And you have to find that ability to trust yourself and trust your instincts because like that's the thing. Like what you're talking about is not riding someone else's wave. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And I feel like so many people are quick to be like, Oh, this isn't popular anymore. I better do that. Now. That's what I'm saying. And it's like if you just stop caring about what's popular and do whatever the fuck comes out of your mouth you know what i mean like that's what's gonna work for you yeah man just so, be honest with yourself and your style and yeah. hopefully you'll get fans to be honest with yeah so tell me the story about like you guys are forming doomtree and then dessa happens to be your next door neighbor and that that's got to be like yeah man, a beacon um, of light because she's so fucking talented she's crazy talented yeah but i mean when <laughs> when we came across dessa yeah we okay we lived in the first doom tree house mm-hmm. and not next door but the next door over mm-hmm. was uh there's like a hippie jam band in minneapolis called wookie foot mm-hmm. and they had a house i have a wookie foot tattoo <laughs> no, i'm kidding <laughs> a lot of people do no, i believe it and uh in in the wookie foot house was not just the wookie foot band or some of those dudes but also some slam poets and some rappers and some, it was another big mashup house like yeah. like we had yeah and just through so was was you guys' neighborhood kind of like an, a communal artist neighborhood or something I mean, or what not more than any other yeah. it's just we happened to know that there was artists right there yeah you know what I'm saying so we went over there I think that she was a fan of us she ended up going to some shows and you know I somehow ended up starting to date her and we dated for a while. And then everybody else in the crew asked her to join because uh-huh. they didn't want it to be like I was asking my girlfriend to join. Yeah. And they didn't really ask me. Yeah. So uh, I was pushing for Sims and uh, everybody was pushing for Sims. And then they were also pushing for Dessa. Oh, without, so Sims wasn't me. in the group yet either? No, 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 no. Those, okay. those are the last two people to join the crew. Okay. Um, 
But that was it. And 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 when they joined, did it feel all of a sudden like you know Voltron had formed or what? Kind of. Like I the, mean, the we, chemistry clicked. Yeah, we played some of our first shows at like smaller venues in town, places like the Dinky Towner and like really little rooms. And we'd have Sims playing on the bill, and we'd have Dessa playing on the bill, but they just weren't like officially in Doom Free, like yeah. that kind of thing. And then we, you know, they were in the crew. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, the first time I fucking saw you guys, I had traveled to Cincinnati for the 2005 Scribble Jam, like yeah. the true backpack nerd I am. And I used to go even for the opening night, which was like a pretty useless night. It was like, it was, you know what I mean? And, and I saw this group of like a dozen people on stage <laughs> fucking yelling at you and, I, and i was like who are these people and it was and it was doom tree yeah and i went oh look at that girl They're, like i was like oh look there's a girl in their group and she's pretty and there's never yeah. pretty girls at underground yeah. rap shows <laughs> almost never although we are from the city with atmosphere yeah where there are that that always is pretty girls yeah, at absolutely. every rap show absolutely. in minneapolis that's one of the coolest parts yeah um yeah scribble that was like one of our first big out-of-state things mm-hmm. i don't know who hooked us up Maybe Kevin Beecham, maybe Sage Francis. I don't know. Yeah. But we got to play that opening. Mr. Dibs. Oh, yeah. Dibs yeah. put us on that opening party. Um, and that was cool. And we thought that was like the greatest shit ever. And then we'd like hung out at Scribble Jam for the yeah. whole weekend. And yeah. Just, like, it was, Scribble Jam was a fun time back then. It, it was, was. It was a different time. I can't believe that was fucking 10 years ago, man. Yeah. Yeah. How does that feel? Like you guys start making music and it sounds like, you know, other people that were big were like listening and catching on. You guys were getting cosigns or what? No real cosigns. Yeah. But, you know, I get like I said, like I had I was about to get signed to Rhyme Stairs. Yeah. Meaning Even back then? Yeah, I got signed to Rhyme Stairs in two thousand five. Oh, you did? So yeah, yeah, it was uh right around then. I two thousand four I went on the warp tour with Atmosphere and sold merch. Right. And that's where I met Mr. Dibbs and I think that's a testament of like no job too small. Like if you have an opportunity to get out there and work for people who know what they're fucking doing, then do it. But also not only did I get good experience, like this is what it looks like to tour and this is what it looks like to be a good touring artist and put on a good show. Yeah. But also I got the tip, you know, Sean was like, come sell merch. A lot of people fall off this tour. Bring a set, bring two sets. Yeah, you know? And yeah. then the first day of tour, I walked around and introduced myself to every stage manager. And I was like, if it's someone doesn't show up, I can do 10 minutes to 25 minutes with like three minutes notice. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't more than a couple of days before I was playing every day. Yeah. You know, and building my hustle and being a rapper on Warp Tour makes it so you learn how to catch people and get them to stop going to watch their favorite band and listen right. to something they've never heard before. Right. Definitely. Like, a, it's like a pull out your dick tour. Look for it. Look it. Look it. For real. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, Warped Tour, I've heard that's a fucking tough one, though. Like, is it, is it grueling? It is grueling. It's, you know, it's every day. But it's also a bus tour, mm-hmm. which makes it so it's less grueling mm-hmm. because you end up asleep, you, you know? Mm-hmm. You, go to bu- you go to sleep on a bus, you wake up, you're in the next city. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So you're playing a show every day, and it's yeah. a long, hot day outside. Yeah. But you don't have to do anything. But then you like, have a luxurious bus to get on. Well, luxury or not. You don't have to drive. You don't right. have to do any of the thinking. Right. You know? Yeah, it becomes kind of routine. Yep. And so that brings me to my next question. Like, you guys are road warriors. Like, you are you are an act that is a touring act. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's how – that's your livelihood. And what is that – I don't know. Like, that – I've only toured a few times. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that 
it's not for me. Like yeah. I, I'm just, you know, not everyone's built for it. That's... And people ask me like, Oh, why don't you go on tour? And it's like, half of it is like, I don't know what my draw would be if I went on tour. Half of it is I or like, I'm just going to be bad at math because there'd be a bunch of halves. But half of it is that like, I don't really want to take the time to learn how to book a tour this late in life. Yep. And the the third half, the 150th percent, is that, like, I just don't like being away from home that Fair long. Fair enough, dude. Yeah, so, like, how are you getting that mindset of, like, n- never really being home? I'm home a lot. Yeah, are you? <laughs> Nowadays or yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, even on, like, the Never Better Tour, yeah. the 225 shows, that was, there was breaks in there a little bit. But also, that was the longest That's so long. tour, and the only thing I'll ever do that one. Yeah. You know, like, this year, one, two three i'll probably do four total months of touring yeah broken up into like three week chunks okay you know and i might do a little more if i'm lucky but i love touring yeah you know i i, I don't i don't love missing my family and i don't love i don't love being away from home and my stuff and my like life and work but all i've ever wanted to do is play shows since you, know? you saw fucking paradise city since i saw paradise city yeah. since you know, since I saw my first show, yeah. it's, it's, this is like the job I love. This is what I like doing. Yeah, right you're now. literally so. living the dream. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two more kind of like bigger picture questions for you, I sure. guess, before we get out of here. One is we're getting up there. Sure. And I'm 33. I feel like I'm not getting up there until I'm like 37. Yeah. And I'm 33 <laughs> as well. And I feel it a little more because like, well, for one, black don't crack. So you look young as fuck. <laughs> you still look young. I'm starting to go gray. You feel me? Like I've been noticing, like I let my hair, I always shave my head, but I let my hair grow out for about five or six days. And I went, Oh my God, there's a bunch of gray hairs inside <laughs> my hair. And like in my beard, I'm like, there's a bunch of gray hairs now. So I'm starting to feel it. And so I think part of this is also trying to transition out of music sure. and, uh, uh, slowly, but surely, like I want to still be involved in it, obviously, but like, this is a way that I can keep in contact with, with what my love is w- of music and not have to be the old motherfucker at the club. Do you ever worry about that? And it doesn't really sound like you do. I don't. Yeah. Nah, I'm a... Uh, How do you age gracefully as a rapper? You stop rapping. Yeah. You start doing other stuff. What like, are you going to do? Either you stop rapping and start doing other stuff, or you keep on rapping and add other stuff to it. Yeah. I don't think that rap... I mean, I think rapping is so young mm-hmm. that as long as... As long as there's young people coming it's always gonna and there always will be mm-hmm. there's always gonna have like that spark of what's going on mm-hmm. but just like sticking in your lane i'm always gonna want to hear an aesop rock record mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah. if that guy is 57 years old mm-hmm. i might not want to watch him rock a show mm-hmm. but i'm always gonna want to listen to what he's thinking what he's saying mm. people get smarter as they get older that's true you know what i'm saying so i feel like rap music while it you know traditionally is like a young man's game it's also aging itself. The entire genre is aging. It so is. as long as the particular artists age gracefully and appropriately, mm-hmm. it'll be just fine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Jay-Z can go from wearing throwback jerseys to wearing a suit and yeah. it maybe says, no, I'm 46. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's fine. I don't, I don't necessarily think that it would be appropriate for Jay-Z to throw a throwback on and then make some more club yeah. songs at this point, but he will and it'll be fine. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I think I'll probably, by the time I'm old enough to have a big, giant, bald guy afro with tons of grays in it, yeah, I'll probably just make my rap bluesier. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I yeah. just feel like. I feel like. Well, I guess. I, I guess my the the bigger picture question was kind of like, what happens when this isn't an option anymore? Oh, for me, when yeah. when I can't be out rapping, yeah, 
I'll be in the studio making beats or producing somebody else that can be out rapping. There you or, go. Do you ever you feel know, like you'd you'd get into management or anything like that? Because that's kind of an option I think about sometimes. I like could, maybe I'll get into management because I know some of the pitfalls to avoid with the young artists. Definitely, I could see myself doing that, but I would much rather be in studio helping people making make, music, A and R, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, maybe I would. Uh, maybe like just produ- like Rick Rubining something. Maybe. Rick Rubining something. Yeah. I, I think that a skill of mine is. I'm way better with other people's stuff than my own, but taking somebody's song that's good and tuning it into something better. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm like good at that finishing, now. The, yep. the the finishing knob kind of. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. good at that. I'm a pretty decent engineer. Yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of music stuff for me to yeah. do. I've got tattooed knuckles and a tattoo on my head. Like, yeah, I'm, so you ain't ever getting a regular job. Nah, you got to go back to dishwasher. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I have a radio show in Minneapolis right now. Yeah. Um, doesn't pay enough to live on, yeah. But I could see myself. What kind of is it like a music? Like a, you play music or you just talk? I play music. How, what kind of music you play? I play everything. I play like everything from like black metal and speed metal, yeah, to like uh, Brian Eno to love, dance music. Love Brian Eno. I, I mean, it's it really is everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 that's great. Uh, Henry Rollins has a show out here like that. You ever hear it? No, nah. I think it maybe it's syndicated, but it's like an NPR thing. Cool. On Sunday nights, it's just it's kind of just like that. He plays right all on. kinds of crazy shit. Okay, so this question, I don't know how it's going to come off, and maybe I'll edit it out if I haven't gathered my sure. thoughts about it properly. But it's it's kind of a race question, I think, sure. because. A lot of rap in Minneapolis is traditionally. It's a, there's a lot of white rappers in yeah. Minneapolis. You're in a crew. You're the only black dude in your crew, right? I am. Okay, and so a lot of. But there's only two white guys in our crew. There's only two white guys. Everybody's kind of <laughs> no. There's more than two white guys. There's only two white rappers in our crew. Yeah, right now is not a great time to be a white rapper, and I feel like the the hammer is kind of coming down on the cultural appropriation. You know what I mean? Yep. And it kind of started uh, with Macklemore, who I've still I, I still vouch for the dude. He's a great guy, and I root for him. And not, I don't so much root for Iggy Azalea. Like she's, and I think she, I feel like she's kind of blowing it for white people right now. Uh, but I guess what I'm what I'm saying is. You guys got a lot of white fans. We do. Does that ever does that ever grate on you, or do you, are you ever bummed that it's like Doomtree is one of those groups where? Because I get the same shit where people go, you know, I don't really like rap music, but I love Doomtree. Yeah, yeah, yeah I hate you, that. Does, does that does that piss you off? It doesn't piss me off anymore. Yeah. I don't like it. It yeah. just means you haven't listened to enough rap music. Right. I'm glad you found us, and that's tight. But right. come on. You know? Yeah. Um, so what does it feel like to, to be, I guess, just a black man in, in like what I consider is like a predominant, I think, I feel like Minneapolis is like a predominantly white hip hop scene. Maybe I'm it, misinformed. It, it is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the one that I'm a part of. Yeah. But like I said, like there's different pockets doing their thing everywhere. The weirdest part about having so many white fans at this point in my career is having so many fans at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I definitely, there was a time where I sweat it, where I was like, it's crazy there's so many white people here. Yeah. But then it's like, there's so many people here. Yeah. It doesn't matter what anybody looks like because they all know the words. They yeah. all have their hands up. They're all ready for it. You know? Uh, the only time I've ever, I've ever seen anybody be able to make the jump from having mostly white fans to having uh more mixed fans mm-hmm. i mean if you come to a show a doomtree show in la it's like 50 percent mexican oh yeah absolutely. You know what i'm saying like it, they it, actually it, call me rap game morrissey because <laughs> i have so many mexican fans <laughs> shout out to all my fucking homeboys you know all my essays no but you know uh everywhere you go it's different as far as what the audience is going to look like but the only time i've ever seen anybody take uh a white audience a white audience and make it look like something else yeah. is when I went on tour with Gym Class Heroes and they were blowing up, you know what I'm saying? You need to reach a certain level of 
cultural success before you can even hit urban markets, urban right. in quotes. Like, you know, yeah. we have we have really hardcore black fans. Yeah. But we just don't have radio access. Yeah. You know? And college yeah. radio plays a shit out of us. And yeah, college yeah. radio is largely white audience. You right, know? right. It's just you, you take what you can get I get, and you I, can't complain about it no, unless absolutely. you want to. Absolutely. I don't, and, I, and that's not. Yeah, exactly. I would never complain about any any sort of fan base. I just me personally, it grates me so much when I hear the like, oh, I don't like rap, but I, I don't I hate rap, but I like you because I'm like, oh, so you're you're fucking implying that you are inherently racist yeah. because like you're, you're saying like, oh, I can't get down with like uh, a black man's art. But now that you're doing it yep. in, a, in something that makes sense to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. To me, that's like saying like, oh, you know, I fucking hate Muddy Waters, but I love the Rolling Stones. I'm yeah. like, man, fuck you. Yeah, it's so, stupid. Anyways. It's stupid. And honestly, I, I, I fuck with Macklemore because I've seen him out there. He's put skin in the game. Yeah. He's yeah. Uh, at the same the same time I was out there on Warped Tour grinding. Yeah, exactly. He was grinding on a smaller stage yeah. doing harder work exactly you know what I'm saying yeah, like yeah. I, i'll never discredit a yeah. dude for that oh absolutely and that's why i'll always root for that dude because he's a genuine human being he, he's doing to me he's doing what he thinks and knows is right you know what i'm saying he's done he's done the work that all of us have and he just got a little luckier than everybody else yeah i mean uh, and, and the harder you work the luckier you get to me the iggy azalea thing it, it pisses me off just because like she was designed in a lab you know what i mean and, and i mean i'm sure that she was rapping before somebody found her and started feeding well, her lyrics but i, I mean, have it, never she, done any research into that. yeah i mean it, I, I'm not, I don't. I don't really. Fuck I don't want to get into a conversation. I don't want to get into a whole thing throwing her under the bus. But it's just like, yeah, it's ruining it for white people right now. <laughs> and it, but it's funny because I, I was having this conversation yesterday. Like having been involved with mm-hmm. rap for as long as I have, the like 15 years, 20 years almost. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, my first rap group was when I was 13 as well. So it's like, you know, there's 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 an up and down as a white dude in rap where it's like it's sometimes you're, sometimes it's real hot to be a white dude and yep. sometimes it's like really shitty and I feel like right now I'm going through a shitty phase to be I a white dude. I remember having a conversation with Slug yeah. in Australia once. Yeah. And I was like, man, I feel like all of this would be easier if I was a white dude. Really? And he was like, what? Yeah. And I was like, seriously, I make really aggressive, really punk rock sounding rap music. Yeah. And for a lot of people, they hear it and that's a novelty and it's crazy. But... I think that if I was like a white dude of a mohawk, people would just be like, I'm buying this. Right. <laughs> right. I'm so happy I'm not a white dude. I can have, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know you're a white dude. No, and that's I'll t- cool. I'll, but I'll tell you it, what. It's beautiful, whatever. But. It would be a lot easier when you got pulled over. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. No, we don't have, have to get started. <laughs> but uh, no, I agree with that. And I think to a certain extent, there are certain types of white dudes that have an easier trip. Like, th- they can do easier things and have an easier road you know what i mean like there's a there's a few yeah i don't know i can't even get into it but there's a few kids out now doing things that like maybe you and i have been doing for for a long time that are doing it now just to a different generation and 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 they're having an easy path you know it's the era of the weirdo black guy which is fucking cool as shit to me when i was growing up there was no pharrell or tyler for people to bounce their mind off of they'd look at me and they'd be like I don't know what the fuck is going on. Right. You know? Right. And it's, it's, it's a better time. You know, there's Absolutely. more than, there's- oh, and I, I love to see dudes like, you know, I, I've heard you do uh, tracks with Mike, Mike Eagle, yep. one of my favorite dudes in, in the LA scene. Like I love that guy and I love his music and it's great to, to see people be, finally be able to like contextualize that of like, Oh, this is a black man that can make intelligent music. And I understand what it is now yeah. because I feel like probably there are times in you guys' life where you felt like, Oh, what I'm, I'm like this fish out of water thing going For on real, from everywhere. There's yeah. no water to land in. Right. Right. But what's next for you and then we'll wrap it up um just working this record all hands doom tree yeah. um yeah new doom tree record called all hands 
Um, Doomtree.net will keep you up on what's new. We got a bunch of new videos, and then I'll drop something early next year or late this year. Where can people find you online? Your Twitter. What's your Twitter? Um, yeah, right. P-O-S. Yeah, right. P-O-S. Yeah, Y-E-A-H-R-I-G-H-T. And that's my Twitter and my Instagram. There you go. Follow this man. Check out his music. Good dude. Thank you. I appreciate making hey, the no time. Uh, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shin, making the shit sound buttery at I am database, based with two S's. Follow us on YouTube, youtube.com slash that's kind of neat, where I think we're going to see POS perform a song. You got a beat? Yeah, I got something. All right, cool. I'll, I'll play whatever instrumental I have in my phone. There we go. Go to the podcast app, uh, download it, search for Kind of Neat, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thank you guys so much. That was POS. My name's Lee, and you guys were tuned in to Kind of Neat. Kind of Neat.